You are listening to Leaders and Legends, a podcast produced by Veteran Strategies and featuring conversations with fascinating and impactful men and women who have shaped our world, our communities, and our history. My name is Robert Vane, Principal of Veteran Strategies, and your host for our discussion. You are listening to Leaders and Legends, a podcast presented by Veteran Strategies, an Indiana-based public relations enterprise, and sponsored by... Garmon Construction, Leaders and Legends LLC, the Grand Hall and Conference Center at Historic Union Station, the McGinley's Golden Ace Inn, and NFP, a national insurance broker with strong local content. Our podcast is featured on the All Indiana Podcast Network in partnership with Wish TV. You may find Leaders and Legends at allindianapodcastnetwork.com. Thinking of starting a podcast or need to host a public meeting? Let Leaders and Legends LLC be your partner as you look for new ways to communicate your message. Please contact Chris Spangle and me at leadersandlegends.net. As always, all our podcast interviews are dedicated to the legacy and generosity of P.E. McAllister. Our guests today are good friends. We're sitting here in the Wish TV studio having some old old home week stories. Ken Owen is a trusted veteran communicator, having spent nearly two decades as a television anchor and reporter before joining his alma mater, DePaul University, as its chief external communicator. Today he is principal of KO Communications and Strategies, working with clients in business and higher education. He joins the many members of the DePaul Mafia to come on the (laughs) Leaders and Legends podcast. Owen's award-winning TV career includes stints in Fort Wayne, Asheville, North Carolina. Did you broadcast from the house? Uh, No, but uh, we actually broadcast out of an old mansion next to the Grove Park Inn. It was probably the best broadcast (laughs) setting I've ever been in. And Indianapolis, of course. He covered a wide range of newsmakers, including Ronald Reagan, Desmond Tutu, Paul McCartney, Lena Horne, Gerald Ford, and Billy Graham, whom Owen accompanied to the then-Soviet Union in 1988 for the millennium of the Russian Orthodox Church. We're going to make sure we talk about that. Patty Spittler. She's in, she's in so many Hall of Fames, I can't even count. <laughs> yeah, well, they, they gave me a brand new car. Oh, no, they didn't. Darn it. Oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> she had a nearly 50, has had a nearly 50-year career in radio and TV Ooh. broadcasting and was one of the first female morning drive radio disc jockeys in the country. Ooh. We're going to talk about that for sure. How about that? WKRP. Yeah, well, uh, it actually was in Dayton, Ohio. WTUD for the voice of the University of Dayton. You're a flyer? I'm a flyer. Yeah. Yes. How would you know that? Very good. From 1982 through Very 2004, good. Patty was a news anchor and entertainment reporter for Wish TV right here in Indianapolis. She has won an Emmy and has been nominated 17 times for her work at Wish and on independent shows and has won the Indianapolis Star's Best Local TV Personality Award twice, where she beat out Ken Owen. Absolutely. <laughs> In 2018, Patty received the state's highest broadcasting honor by being inducted into the Indiana Broadcasters Hall of Fame. 
and it was just announced she will be inducted into the 2023 Emmy Silver Circle for her lifetime award-winning TV journalism. And that's a big deal. Wow. 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 You guys are a big deal. Ah, wow. Patty's got me lapped. No, I'm, yeah. I'm, I feel like I should go to sleep now. <laughs> this is an awful <laughs> lot of stuff. But I'm very grateful. I'm very, very grateful. I mean, it's it's kind of embarrassing, but I got to do what I love, and I still get to do it with Pet Pals TV and Great Day TV. So, uh I, I've been very lucky. Made some sacrifices, yes, along the way, haven't we all? But um, you do what you love, and if you can continue to do it, that keeps us above ground. So I'm happy and for that. We'll talk about it, but Patty's also a fighter, and she's uh, reinvented herself a couple of times. And yeah, she sure has. Yeah, there's there's some great some, some great takeaways for people about you, and um, yeah, you inspire me. Really? Mm-hmm. Inspiring? Absolutely. I thought I perspired you, but it's... it's oh, that, those, those <laughs> are the old days when we used to move around. Remember the time when we were on set together and people thought that we were we were dating or something? So I came in dressed... Well, you kept goosing me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going to be fun. And I came in with a veil and a, and a, like a wedding dress on. We just did part of the show that way. You don't remember that? I blocked that out. <laughs> we actually egged him on. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to find that That sounds picture. like us. Yeah. To, yeah. So we're here with Clyde and Dion. (laughs) We're here with Ken and Patty. You can obviously tell within the first 30 seconds that they have known each other for a long time and love and like each other. So we talked a little bit about your backgrounds. How did you meet? We were together on a show. Actually, and I truly believe this was way ahead of its time. Uh, We were on a show from 530 to 6 o'clock. And it was kind of like a lifestyle show. Mm-hmm. And nobody else was doing it at that time. So we were on for nine months. And then Ken went on to do anchoring, more anchoring. So Ken came in to do that show with me at 530 to 6. And then I got absorbed into the newsroom and uh, went back to doing stories again. And lots of I was doing entertainment, too. So it was still a busy time. But mm-hmm. I, I do think that our show had... Uh, a lot of potential that just needed a little more crafting at that yeah, time. We, Ken, I what came was the show man. called? Was it Indianapolis Afternoon? No, no, no. It was, like it was the five thirty news. Just five thirty, uh, yeah. and it was lighter. It was a lighter. Yeah, uh, it, it, most it, days. Yeah, yeah. I th- it started really light. And well, I, she's but, wearing a wedding dress. It couldn't well, exactly <laughs> been funeral. We, we 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 had fun, even in the worst of circumstances. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have fun on the air. But I think uh, I came from WLOS in Asheville, where I was the main anchor, and. Um, they had uh, been looking for someone to, uh, you know, be basically the number two to Mike, and I missed the Midwest. I'm from Chicago, and so uh, I was jonesing to get back here. And Patty and I probably met like shooting promos for the show, which would have been in August of 1989. So you were hired to partner with her. Yes. 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 Okay. I was doing the noon news as well uh, with Ray Rice, mm-hmm. and they decided they wanted to expand and. To fit my personality better, it'd be better to have a lighter show where you could have. With the, in the news, you had lots of thirty-second. Uh, you know, here's a Faust is on fire. Someone ran into somebody. Where we could have more of a personality with whoever we brought in. And at that time, a lot of celebrities were coming into town too. Mm-hmm. Remember, and mm-hmm. they come on our show. Um, so it, yeah, it was. I, I thought it was a great fit. Just not. There were some things that just weren't right about it. Yeah. But luckily, we both got absorbed, I use that word again, into other aspects of Wish TV, and it worked out for the yeah, best. Yeah, well, I was, I was backing up Mike, so when I did the, when Mike was off, I do the 5, 5, 30, 6, and 11, yep. mm-hmm. um, and there were days, Patty, that we led with, you know, crime and things. I mean, there were, there were days we, 
when uh, it, had it to was be. an odd. I'll tell you what. What made it fail is that they just didn't give us resources. Uh, Ray Rice did a piece every night, and you know Ray Ray is wonderful. So we had a feature at the end of it. Mike Andrevet had a consumer report. Yeah, I think Mike. almost every other night. Debbie's health scene got moved to the five thirty, mm-hmm. but it was kind of a. In some ways, it was a little aimless. I think we were we were just kind of that glue between the five and the six, you know. And they sold spots, mm-hmm. and I think we actually yeah. even had a heavier spot load yeah. from five thirty to six. So it was a tricky thing. And the audience wasn't used to it at that time. They're like, "What is what is yeah. this? What mm-hmm. what's going on here?" What year was it? This uh, nineteen eighty nine. Eighty nine. And it probably lasted what two years. Nine months. Was it nine months? Yes. Just like the birth of a baby. Nine months and we're on to something else. Because that's not my recollection. But then uh, then I wound up doing it with Mike. Remember, because it was Mike Mike and and Debbie Debbie. at the top, then Mm -hmm. Mike and I... And then yeah. Mike and Debbie again at six. It was, yeah. it was goofy. And you I kept doing the new up. news. And then mm-hmm. I also had a uh, four times a year I did a patty special, a uh, half-hour special, which did very well. I mm-hmm. did that from 1990 till 2004. Wow. Uh, so, that, that, yeah, that was a lot of work. As you mentioned his name, and he was on my list of questions, but let's get to it because I don't want to forget. We watched, so I was born in 67, we only watched Channel 8 wow. growing up because Mike Ahern okay. was Catholic, oh. <laughs> is Catholic, mm-hmm. and my family's Catholic. Wow. So talk to us a little bit, please, about Mike Ahern. I've only met him twice. He was very kind both times, but I never, I'd love to obviously sit down with him. But he was like the rock, paper, and scissors of local Mm-hmm. TV news. He was Walter Cronkite for Indiana. Yeah. 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 And a nice guy, too. I'll start off oh, with that. Uh, great fellow. Uh, what you saw on TV is what you got. I mean, he was he was uh, a tender, but he could be tough, too, to get the stories done. Uh, but he had a great heart. Uh, and he had a fabulous voice. He just You just felt comfortable watching him and felt like he was in control. But yet he wasn't pushy. So it, it was just he was at the right time at the right place. And a nice guy again. I'll end with that. Go ahead. Anchoring is a lot like quarterbacking. And uh, Mike was very careful about when he kind of wielded his authority. He never... Made, made that authority too well known, but there were a few, a few times I saw him, we can't cross that line or we're not going to wow. do that. Uh, he was great about that, but the thing about Mike was he had this incredible sense of humor. Oh, yes. And I'll tell you a story. Uh, <laughs> is this PG or PG-13? We're, we're, we're fine. Okay. <laughs> we're um, fine. It's, okay. it's East Side Podcasting, so you know. Uh, what right, right down the hall here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was uh, probably, it was the month of May. And it was 500 festival time, and our general manager, who was a wonderful guy, by Lee. the way. Uh, no, Paul Karpowitz. Paul uh, Karpowitz. Mm-hmm. Was on the 500 festival committee, and Paul was, and he was the best. The best. General manager ever. Yes. Um, Lee my, was the news director. Right. Forgive and, me. And, uh, Lee Giles. And I shouldn't, I shouldn't short shrift uh, Mike Fiorelli, who wound up running uh, Dispatch for a while. I worked for him in Asheville. He was also a great general manager. But... Uh, 500 festival time, Paul was on the board, and somehow we've made, we've made this kind of crazy deal with the devil where every day there'd be like a, because Disney was sponsoring the 500 festival. Mm. We had Disney stuff in the newscast right before weather every night. So we're in the break, and Mike and I are discussing, because we're going to come out and we're going to do a piece about Disney. And then Stan Wood's going to have the weather. I think Stan was still here at that point. Uh, Stan. And Mike starts talking about, you know, um, 
why are we doing this with Disney? I mean, uh, you know, they're a corporate entity. It's really not journalistic. And so we get into this, you know, back and forth about it. Well, I, we come out of the break, and I've got, you know, a, a graphic over my head. Um, children at the Riley Children's Hospital had a wonderful guest today. Snow White visited. And I look over, and Mike is simulating an act. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, of mercy. At, yeah, at this point, the video's up. So I'm off camera but reading a VO. Mike is over, you know, uh, doing <laughs> with that elfin grin on his face, uh, you know, something that. Did you uh, get it through? Uh, did you make oh, it? Oh, no. Oh, no. Because, you know, that, that's the thing about if Mike did that kind of thing, uh, you were just done. Because he just the look on his face and knowing how serious he could be and how <laughs> respected he was, but here's the dean of Indianapolis news anchors, you know, simulating a BJ while I'm trying to get through a Snow White voiceover. Yeah, yeah. Maybe there was a different version of Snow White that Mike saw. Uh, that might have been, but he he found the humor in everything, and uh, you know, uh, there, there's a great story about Ray Milland, which I won't share now, but we. Oh, I gotta hear that one. I haven't heard that. Ray Milland, yeah, film the, noir, the actor, Ray Milland, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, great and dial, I mean, dial in for murder. Th- this, yes, this tell is us. this is this is a really blue story. Um, and again, Mike would tell these things during the break, and he would time them perfectly because you know it'd be it'd be at the end of one of those uh, buy a record on TV things. Order two two eight tracks or cassettes fourteen ninety nine, and Mike would just be hitting the punchline, you know. And they'd come out, and there you are on camera. He's over there, <laughs> and he, he doesn't have to worry about it. You do, and you're the young buck, you know, looking like you're a flake, uh, which I did pretty well. Um, no, Ray was uh, Mike was telling the story about uh, it had to be sixty six, sixty seven, sixty eight, but he and Sid Collins went to. I think there was a hotel on Pennsylvania when I first came here in the 80s, early 80s, mm-hmm. like the Stouffer, was it? Yeah, yeah that's yeah, right. Right that's by right. the federal building. It's gone, long gone. Mm-hmm. Like the Stouffer Inn or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it was, you know, maybe six stories. It wasn't a big deal. I may have it, you know, shorter or maybe it's taller than that. Mm-hmm. But Mike and Sid Collins walk in and there at the bar is Ray Milland. You know, the, mm-hmm. the one-time Academy Award winner for The Lost Weekend. And I, if the folks listening won't get the full, you know, but Mike actually goes into Ray Milan mode. And he's got, he's got his hands in front of him. He's at a bar. He's, you know, just kind of mumbling to himself. And so Sid Collins, who was a big fan, walks mm-hmm. up and says, Ray Milan, we're so happy you're here in Indianapolis. I loved you in The Lost Weekend. I loved you in this. I loved And Milan never looks up. He's looking down at his drink, which he's obviously he's been looking down there for a long time, <laughs> so and he's had a few to look at. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> anyway, Sid goes on for like 55 seconds, like, this is your life. We love you. It's great you're in Indianapolis. Milan never looks up. But finally, Sid stops, and Ray says, where the F's the P in this town? And oh. you, guys, you guys can fill in the blanks. Oh. But Mike oh. used the actual words, you know, so... <laughs> Uh, and you know, <laughs> you, th- you you go up to someone and hero worship them, and they give you another you know, where the is the B in this town. Uh, and to hear Mike Ahern blurt that out, you know, coming out of a break was just like another time that you know. That's why I'm not in television anymore. Mike just made me laugh too many times on camera. Something uh, people probably know about Mike Ahern too is uh, we should have Mike here about this. Uh, Mike was not the tallest of, of gentlemen. Correct. So when and I mean I'm a big girl, so if I were to substitute for Debbie, and Debbie's Debbie and I are both about the same mm-hmm. height, um, you'd had to make sure your chair was down a little bit so that you were the same height. 
so that you weren't taller than he was. And he knew this. I mean, he wasn't upset by this. But it's something like now, when you do the news, you have to walk around everywhere. And sure. It, yeah. You know, it, again, it wouldn't have suited him to do it now. He did it at just the right time. Well, we all did it at the right at time. At the right time. We can yeah, talk about that, but yeah, journalism. Was anchor, it was the, the pinnacle of the anchor, I'm not going to say cult, but the sense that this one person is the person who will always tell me the truth, whether it was Walter right. Cronkite, Mike right. Ahern. Right. Uh, we mentioned celebrities. Of course, we can't have a podcast uh, with Patty Spittler without mentioning she has interviewed so many celebrities, which is my transition Oh, to her book. The book. She sent me a copy. It's wonderful. I read it like in a few hours. Oh, it's good. so funny. I'm glad. I'm glad. Patty Spittler with Rita Rose. Yes, Rita Rose worked for the Star 43 years. And this came about because we were going through some, during the pandemic, she'd come over and help me pick up dog poop and stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, can You're you say fine. poop on the air? Okay. Well, I think uh, I beat you to that. <laughs> it was dog poop. It's okay. And, uh, you know, we'd talk about something and we went through the uh, my basement. I had these boxes pictures and things I didn't even know I had. She goes, you need to write a book. I need to write a book. So I would tell her stories and then she would write them down and send it back to me and I'd she calls it pattying them up. Mm-hmm. But uh, she actually forced me to do this book, which I'm very proud of. I'm taking no money from it. Proceeds go to rescues and shelters. So there you go. The book is titled and I'm gonna ask you about your relative pronoun usage here. Go ahead. The dog who, who? saved my life. Yes. Why who? Because we we bantered about that, and some folks said some of the publisher or something. So you should say that, and then we we kind of looked it up and decided that this dog was so much a part of my life, and I it was like a human. So you can use the word who if you want to. It wasn't a that. It was he was a who. That was my Louis, my first Bernese Mountain Dog. I traveled so much I could not have a dog when I was working at Wish TV. I was working seven days a week, five days here on the road. Catch a plane, L.A., New York, back Sunday night at midnight. Then back on the air again, mm-hmm. 10 o'clock, for a, uh, a break here. So when I decided I had to quit because of hearing loss, Meniere's disease, I always say when fatal fire sounds like flat tire, it's time to get out of the news business. <laughs> because you've got to get it right the first time. Now what I do right. something, you know, or if I do interviews with a celebrity, you're looking at them, it's one-on-one. But you have to take this thing out of your ear when you have hearing loss and put it, it's called an inner foldback, IFB. Mm-hmm. So you can hear the director or the producer saying, drop page 33, go over here. If you have a hearing aid in, then you can't hear... Ken Owen next to you or Mike Ahern. You're, I mean, it, you've got to have good hearing. And it's important if there's an accident or a shooting or something. Whereas with what I do now, with I interview for a dog or something, is it Fifi or Fido? I can ask the question again. Plus, I don't have to hide it. Sure. Whew. sure. Boy, that is well, amazing. And Pope Francis says dogs go to heaven. Oh, I didn't. Oh, so anyway, so I got my dog, Louie, went to the dog park, and for nearly five years, I was the dog park lady. People didn't say, aren't you, Patty Spiller? Go tell me about your dog. (laughs) And I realized now I was just getting myself set up for the next chapter of my life, which is when uh, producer Jason Heath came to my back door, and I let him in, and he said, let's do a pet show. And I thought, well, okay, this will last about six months, because independent programming is expensive. Right. Uh, And I also have to sell for it, too, which I enjoy. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then along came, it was Boomer TV, became Great Day TV. So I'm working on two uh, independent, that are connected to Wish TV, but still we're independent broadcasting. Fed Palace TV is up in 23 markets around the country, and Great Day TV is a statewide uh, magazine-style format. So good news I get to do. Good what, news. Who? Who? Who is your favorite who? 
TV or movie dog? Oh, gosh. Wow, that's interesting. Movie dog. Well, I remember David Letterman always used to have the animals come on with the stupid pet tricks. That was always fun to watch. Of course, I grew up watching Lassie. I mean, Lassie was, you just sit there and cry. Uh, I realize now that a lot of the things that I liked when I was a kid, Zorro, uh, you know, the Lone Ranger, all these things had animals in it. Um, and I grew up, my dog, my, my dad had a dog, and uh, I grew up, I wanted, I got the first cat for the family. But we, I grew up with a dog named Duke, and he was, a, at that time, everybody had collies, who was a collie. So mm-hmm. my, my parents loved Duke, I think, more than me. They'd feed us both milk bones. So I, I got a picture <laughs> of that. And then before that, though, real quickly, I don't remember him very well, but my dad had a dog. It was a, a chow chow named Sonny. And we lived next to, in Dayton, Ohio, my grandmother lived on one side, my dad's mom. And then we lived next door. And they, that time, you didn't have fences. You let the dogs out, and they'd go out. And she'd go out and call for Sonny. And she'd go, Sonny, Sonny, come here, you Son of a B. Uh, because he would only respond that that breed, now that I know more about it, Chow Chows tend to respond to one person better. He was my dad's dog. My dad never had a leash. He just walked and the dogs followed him. Clem was tough. <laughs> Ken, do you have a favorite TV or movie dog? Oh, or animal? I've never pondered such a thing. I mean, uh, I, I love animals. These are so, tough questions, uh, you know. You got a kitty cat now. I got a kitty cat, yeah. and I've had cats and dogs, and. Uh, I found what I thought was a baby squirrel in my garage riding around last weekend. Oh, it turned how did out it was you do? Do you ba- see okay? I think it's still around. But, but it turns out it might have been a baby mouse. I oh. took it to a, a wildlife rescue person, and I, I'm, I'm like feeding this thing with oh, a I bottle with that. a nipple on the end of it. And you know, after you spend a weekend nursing a mouse back to health, I mean, I go out and buy mouse traps. What the heck am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> Moron. Oh, I love that. You mentioned talks about some Channel 8 folks uh, since so many of us grew up with them. I actually remember Jim Wilson when he did the mm-hmm. sports. Uh, Mark Patrick, speaking of sports, uh, he was such a phenomenal presence. He's so talented in the early 90s. I haven't seen him in a while. Hope to love to get him on this podcast. He'd be great. We have a, several mutual friends. He has such a good sense of humor, such a fun sense of sports, sports history. Uh, what was it like? What did he bring to Channel Eight? That you know, no offense to Ed Harding or any of the other folks, because obviously I remember Chet Kopic. Oh, yeah. What did he bring to Channel Eight that wasn't there? Well, I think you know, uh, Fred Khalil was here when I was here, and Freddie went on to Atlanta and has. He had just great, recently retired. Just retired. Him. Fred was a great guy. Um, they all were. I mean, sports is one of those where you have to have a personality. Right. Yeah. Love him. I remember Mark Patrick told me that. Love you or hate you, they need to know your right. name. Yeah. And he's I, right. I think Mark brought to the sportscast what David Letterman brought to the weather oh, on good. THR. Okay. Although, you know, when he was at uh, right. 13, which probably was then. It was still THR, but it was a different affiliation. Well, I remember when, I remember when Channel 6 and Channel 13 flipped. Right. Went from ABC to NBC. Right. But I, I think that um, Mark was astute enough to know that sports fans uh, wanted sports. They didn't want it watered down. But he found every occasion he could to throw humor into it, whether it was uh, the, Dick, I, the Dick Ray, the Dick Ray, Iowa, Ken Owen Valley, and I mean everybody had a thing. Dirk Lenek, Dirk, Dirk, Dirk Lenek, which Jay Leno stole that. Remember, he stole that bit. And I liked they, it when he would go when he was trying to do safer out and would ask Debbie or somebody, right. Debbie Knox, on our safer out. 
and before the actual a, call took place. And I found a tape the other day from 1987, Ed Harding doing the same thing. So, I, and now, you know, I think Mark was more definitive about mm-hmm. it. And Debbie, you make the call. Let's ask the franchise what he thinks. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, he brought a lot of um, color to, uh, you know, I think there are a lot of people that, um, well, heck, today a lot of stations have a very truncated sports cast, if anything. Mm-hmm. So that's an indication that there is a, an element of the audience that just doesn't care. You know, the game happened 12 hours ago, or you're recapping a Colts game from yesterday. Maybe you give a minute and a half, but Mark could find a way to bring in the person who didn't care about the games at all. And mm-hmm. he and there's so many other ways to get your sports information. I mean, you could watch Pardon right, My Eruption. Right, right. I mean, and he had so much humor. Some of the things he did, and I don't know that he could do it now. I mean, I don't think I know that sense of taking those chances you might be in trouble to do it now let's bring that time back debbie knox you both worked with her she actually lived in irvington which is where i grew up she lived off lover's lane on the parkway very very nice couldn't have been nicer as a matter of fact yeah love to have her on the podcast she said she would do it i just need to follow up Uh, what was that like because you know you're trying to pair and that's at the time where Correct me if I'm wrong. There just weren't a lot of male-female pairings in Mm -hmm. the news business. Mm -hmm. Well, when I came in to town to do Indianapolis Afternoon with Dick Wolsey, she was doing the noon news. And uh, then after that show went down and uh, Dick went on to do other things at other stations, then came back to Wish. But anyway, they wanted me to do the noon with, with Ray Rice. But when I first came here, I remember turning on the TV when I was in the hotel room waiting for my interview. And there was Debbie Knox on the noon news. And she was doing it by herself. Then they took her and paired her with Mike for the 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, I think it was 6 o'clock, and then the 11 o'clock, which was sometimes at 10 o'clock. Remember that? Right. They'd do it earlier because of the, the time change. Mm-hmm. So, But she was always nice. We're still good friends. Uh, we have the same birth date. I think I'm yeah. like three hours older. Yeah. And, this is uh, where you don't ask the follow-up. Right. I get it. Well, we were toddlers when we started. So, <laughs> of course. Uh, yeah, yeah. So anyway, we're still great friends. Uh, she's a wonderful uh, lady and... Uh, I know things I shouldn't tell, so I won't, but she's <laughs> yeah. just terrific. She's just I, terrific. I co-anchored hundreds of shows with her, because <laughs> yep. oh, whenever yeah. Mike was off, I was there, and uh, and Mike was off a lot because he'd been there a long time, yeah. so he had, <laughs> he had that right, which is good. But Debbie's a, the consummate pro. and Oh, um, yes. And the great thing about Debbie is, uh, and it's not always true of co-anchors, she always had your back, and, and that made you have her back, and you... Yeah, you really felt like you had an ally and someone that you could laugh with and joke with, uh, but uh, she always brought her A-game. Here's what we're hearing, all of us, and hopefully you at home. We had a family. It wasn't, as you know, broadcasting can be (laughs) pretty rough, and people are vying to move up or move on. And I give a lot of credit to that to the Lee Giles, too, our news director. He treated us all like family. We may have had some personal problems. We may have gone through something. But he kept us all together. And for that reason... We we appreciated each other. We loved each other, and it, it it was for me. It was a it was a family. So he was right. I think Lee deserves a lot of credit. Yeah, for that. absolutely. Yeah. And I think the other thing is, you know, you were talking earlier about uh, the time you grew up in, and we grew up in, and worked, and and it was a magical time to be in broadcasting because we'd come out of the ma- the, the golden age, sure. know, where the station signed on. But we not yet until Patty and I started that show gotten to a point where there was the oversaturation of news. 
And what we had back then was there was appointment television. You know, the news came on at 6 o'clock. You watched oh, yeah. it. Oh, yeah. It was over by 6.30. You yep. got your news. Yep. Maybe you stuck around for Walter Cronkite. But uh, the day went on. And now, of course, it's just it's wall to wall. It's everywhere. It's on cable. It's on the Internet. It's on the local stations. Oh, have it hours and hours oh, and hours. Yeah. And how do the kids get their news? Here, let's pick up right. TikTok. Let me but, look at my iPhone. But I would say we're I know siloed. 20-year-olds. They don't have TVs. They don't have TVs. No, but we're siloed. And what we had when we were growing up, and this is not a boast or anything, but mm-hmm. there was a sense of uh, a, a community that you only get now with the Super Bowl. And uh-huh. used to get it on election night. People would watch oh, yeah. elections and they'd go, oh, wow, the election's happening. Mm-hmm. Now, even that's divisive. Let something, me ask, go ahead. Something else that's, that just hit me. You hit me on a lot of levels. Oh, oh you've, been, yeah. you've been poking me. Uh, the thing is that there's a lot of, of people that they think are anchors now and they're not. They're TV personalities. Mm-hmm. If you go on Fox, MSNBC. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, these people, they're not Walter Cronkite. No. And they're espousing their views and the views maybe of the people around them. A lot of it is politically motivated. And I don't, I'm pretty sure, I wasn't never, I, well, no, we weren't like that. We just, here's the news. Well, they're, co- they're, they're commentators. You know, we, yeah. we had a story to throw to. Yeah. And uh, the world would be a better place if all the cable networks uh went back to straight news and by that i say you know the, the president today had a news conference to talk about uh, the war in, in, nah. in wherever it is and and you know boom go to the story but unfortunately it's it's a world of talking heads and w- if you're watching you know one brand of television you get three guys from the left and one guy from the right and the, the guys from the left always win flip it around on fox news and um that's not informing anyone. That's basically reinforcing opinions. It's you may reinforcing hold. The, the the view of the person who's watching. You, and you can find something out there for everybody. It doesn't matter sadly, what your yeah. what your leaning is. But we all need facts. We all need to know yeah, what's happening on the ground. Yeah. Were you yeah. conscious of the? And I'm, I know the answer is yes, but I'm going to ask it so I could get a story or two. But conscious of the competition among stations. I mean, forget oh, Channel yeah. Four. God love them. But Doug, Doug. Trying to think of the Doug anchor. Rafferty. Yes, yeah. think of the anchor's name. He passed away a couple of years. Ago, oh, that's very a shame. Sadly, Man, yeah. Channel Four was such a big partier growing up in oh, Indianapolis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. But among six, thirteen, and eight, thirteen always back then kind of seemed to be the third station. No offense. Mm-hmm. And you had Howard Caldwell, and then okay. and then Legend. Channel Six. How high school graduate, by the way. Yeah. Oh, great man. And so that 90s Channel 6 kind of came into its own with Clyde and Dion. Right, but right. for so much of the 70s and 80s, it was Channel 8. How, how, how aware were you of what other stations were doing and what other journalists were doing? Well, we were also CBS, which helped a great deal. Mm-hmm. In the uh, 70s, especially. Yes, yeah. at, at 80s. Yeah, we, we were CBS mm-hmm. the whole time. But we were pretty much number one, or at least the news was. The late news. Yeah. yeah. So It wasn't until the 90s that we lapped yeah. Channel 6 at 5 and 6. Mm-hmm. And that was largely because we had really bad lead-ins. We had, you know, I mean, the real <laughs> stories of the Highway Patrol. I mean, these really third-rate reality shows. <laughs> yeah. That, you know, the, and the demographics were not good. Uh, there were no women watching. And, but what would happen is every quarter, because I'd read that wall like a Bible every morning. Um, uh-huh. We'd pick up every quarter hour. So people would gravitate toward us. But we yeah. definitely had, and yeah. Clyde and Dion are two of my best friends yeah. these days. Uh, we were competitors for years. We worked together for, for wonderful. Like 18 months. They're so wonderful. Great people. But um, yeah. 
Yeah. We really wanted to kick their fannies. <laughs> and really and the noon news, which I was on, we're, we had double digits. It's not number one. And why is that? Well, yes, we had wonderful people. Uh, the rest come of on down. But we also the had the prices right. <laughs> and then coming up, there's a soap opera after. I mean, how can you not lose? You can't lose back to back. Plus, it was a half an hour. Now, let's look at that. I look at some of these folks that are here now working. Four in the morning until noon. Will they break for Lifestyle Live and then 11 to and then t- till 10 and then the midday news is 11 to 12 eight nine hours on the air oh my that's i'd be exhausted i'm glad i don't have to do that yeah, now think of the viewers it's like a turkish prison you know you're strapped to a chair watching. <laughs> well whatever. they don't watch the whole thing but, but it is you know it's it's it unfortunately we've gone away from news by appointment and it's now it's 24 7 and i think that's the cult. The culture demands that. You know, we want to get well, our snippet and get off. Things change. Things yeah. change. You are listening to Leaders and Legends, a podcast presented by Veteran Strategies, an Indiana-based public relations enterprise, and sponsored by Garmon Construction, Leaders and Legends, LLC, the Grand Hall and Conference Center at Historic Union Station, the McGinley's Golden Ace Inn, and NFP, a national insurance broker with strong local content. Our guests today are Ken Owen and Patty Spittler, who have known each other for a few years. So I come out of my uh, sponsor break and ask the same question of everybody, at least those who I interview in the Hoosier State. Is there a Hoosier leader you particularly, Hoosier leader and or legend you particularly admire, Patty? Hoosier legend. Um, Bill Hudnut, I thought, was a wonderful mayor who got involved with the community. And, I mean, I remember him in parades, and he'd always come up and say hello. I was the last TV person to talk to him before he passed. Mm. Went to Chevy Chase, Maryland, to mm. talk to him. Uh, and still had a great, I mean, he was, he was solid. Uh, did a lot for our city. I think did a lot. Uh, go back to Mike Ahern, the anchor here. He was a great guy. I mean, you just watched him and you'd pick up things and you knew that that's the way it should be done. And Debbie Knox, too. Uh, my friend, always. She was terrific. A pill was amazing. And I sent him an email right before he died and we had a great back and forth. He was, uh, my first job was making four and a half dollars an hour at Wire Radio. I was 21 years old, right yeah. out of college. And W-I-R-E I, W-I-R-E, 14.30 a.m. Mm-hmm. And I would go and I'd spend my days at the city county building. And Bill Bill really took me under his wing. And one day, we'd, we were sitting in his office, the two of us, and I'm 21. And he'd, he'd gotten some device to kind of regulate his heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And he, he showed me, lifted his jacket, and he said, if I turn this dial up to eight, I get a heart on. <laughs> I'll, I'll never oh, my God. And he was the funniest guy. Uh, but he, he, the way he treated almost like a son. Um, I, I got a key to the city when I was like 23. I, mean, I might as well have just jumped off a cliff then. Right. But uh, those were great years. I would throw two other names at you. We're throwing three Republicans mm-hmm. out, and there are so many other leaders. But these are guys that um, Bob Orr, I think, is. Uh, and John Mutz was on his team. Um, that's an incredibly underrated period in Indiana mm-hmm. history. I think Bob Orr was... Um, we began the process of, of luring international business to Indiana and uh, escaping the kind of Rust Belt mentality we had before. Um, 
the, the state was not in you know particularly grand shape at that point. But I, you can see things started to turn out of that. And uh, a Bob Orr story. So one day, again, I'm 21 years old. I'm driving to the state house to do a one-on-one with Bob Orr, who was a, a, another wonderful man. But I'm looking in my rearview mirror as I'm driving, and I have a patch of hair I missed on my face, <laughs> you know, like you do. <laughs> so uh, I, I thought, oh, there's a, there's a CVS or a Revco or something right by the state house. I'll run in there before I talk to Bob, and I'll, you know, the governor, and I'll, I'll buy myself some razors. Well, of course, I wasn't making any money, so I bought the cheap, you know, eight-pack. It was mm-hmm. like you got, uh, you know, 20 razors for a buck or mm-hmm. something. You know, th- that's my silly watch. I have so many devices, and I turn <laughs> two off, and one goes off. Anyway, um, Bob, uh, you know, I literally went back to my car and tried to scrape off the hairs that were there, and uh, I whacked myself. I knew it. I knew it. (laughs) And I went in there with, like, a tourniquet on my face. I mean, you know, big wad of paper towel from the (laughs) state house. And he was so wonderfully kind to me. Uh, You know, we did the interview, and I was holding this thing. Uh, to keep the blood from... So no reaction shots that day? Uh, no, it, that was radio. So thank oh, God. Oh, that's right. This whole thing started yeah. out on radio. Which is well, probably where I belong right. with my face. <laughs> but right, the, the other name I would invoke is... Uh, and again, I, I'm, these are not partisan thoughts because anybody that knows me knows that I'm, I'm pretty down the middle and I, I, I have friends in both parties. Uh, Mitch Daniels. Um, really, I mean... And, and Evan, by to, to an extent. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, you know, to just... We've been lucky with mayors of Indianapolis because none of them are partisan. And all of them are about getting the job done. And you could say, well, this guy did it better mm-hmm. than this guy did it. But never do they get into the weeds of the, you know. Yeah. I guess I should plug the Leaders and Legends podcast by saying John Mutz mm-hmm. came on the podcast. We've had Mitch Daniels twice. We've had Evan By. Oh, good. Yeah. We did a podcast on the history, on a, a retrospective on the Orr years. Mm-hmm. And so I should also mention, uh, tell us, tell me about your impressions or, or, or fond memories of working with frequent co-host Jim Shella. Jim Shella. Well, I didn't co-host with him. Because no, but he, he co-hosts my podcast. Oh, when okay. I, did I thought you meant we ones. did. Uh, mm-hmm. He certainly knows. And he just got an award. What is it? Journalism? Uh, the uh, Journalism Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, which he deserves 33 years covering... Uh, I mean, it's not the easiest job in the world. I don't know how he does it. And he did it. Boy, he's tough, too. He knows what he wants. He gets the story. He puts it out there. And he did it for many, many, many years. Admire him greatly. Yes, it's it's a relationship business when you cover the state house And Jim and Jim Hester, who was his photographer, right. knew everyone. And so uh, yeah. they were able to break a lot of stories. Uh, politicians would tell them things they wouldn't tell other people. <laughs> and, you know, and Jim always uh, had that kind of... Um, mischievousness about him in terms of just the way he went about things. <laughs> and, and that laugh. Yes. Oh, that laugh, like a, that like laugh. a horse roar in the newsroom. Uh, but yeah, J- to have Jim in your lineup is like, um, you know, it's, it's like acquiring um, Derek Jeter in his prime, mm-hmm. you know, as a free agent. And I he mean, still writes a lot for the IBJ, I think, mm-hmm. so that's good. And, and, and it's great for, you know, we need people like Jim Shella who um, can sort through things. And Jim would pick on guys from and gals from both parties. Uh, it was never a partisan thing. It was just like they did this, and, and here's the reaction. You know, I always say that Jim and it's so fun to be around. Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons why I have him co-host the podcast when we do political stuff. A, it makes it more fun, <laughs> and B, he knows so much more than yeah, I do. Yeah, you can't get away with it. Like, you know, when Evan By came on, I was like, you know, 
Jim, you got to do this with me. And he goes, well, you know, I'm happy to do it, but you could do it on your. And I was like, I don't really know that much. Uh. Like I was in the army when Evan Bayh was elected. And then I was in college when, you know, he went out of office in 96. And so, you know him so much better. And if you're not being a snot and you care about the audience, you want to bring in a Jim Shella Mm -hmm. who then says, you know, hey, guess what? Let's talk about that one time. Exactly. That I couldn't do. Yeah. Obviously. Good. Good. And and he's got a sense of an overview mm-hmm. of a career that mm-hmm. uh, any regrets about not doing this at this point. There was that moment, uh, Senator By, when you you know you were mm-hmm. being considered as a, a front runner for the presidential nomination. That was a, I remember we he, talked about yeah, that. Yeah, and he came to DePaul in 2006 to give the commencement address, and there was national interest because everybody thought Evan By could be the Democratic mm-hmm. nominee for president. So, yeah, they, and Jim can understand the windows and the moments that. Um, that are you know critical to a person's development. I just thought of something. And speaking of politics, I don't often get to do a political story. But <clears throat> next week, I'll be going to the governor's mansion to interview Henry, the little dog. <laughs> because Henry, Henry had, uh, he had an ailment. And uh, Janet Holcomb is going to talk to me about what he went through and oh, try to help wow. other people to know what they can do for their dog. It's a, it's a, uh, Minnie Schnauzer is Henry, who's wonderful. So uh, I'll get to go back to the governor's mansion to sure. talk to Henry. <laughs> do you two, I know I, I'm going to guess it's not the same, but do you have a favorite Indianapolis event you covered? Ken, go ahead this time. One of the first things I did was the National Sports Festival in 1982. Two. Yes. And I think in many ways that was when the concept of Indianapolis as the amateur sports capital of the nation, if not the world, was birthed. Um, I think that was a seminal moment for our city. I'd have to think harder about other things. But uh, yeah. being a very young person, 21 years old, with an <laughs> audio tape recorder slung over my shoulder, <laughs> and watching the spectacle, which... Um, you know, in hindsight, there really weren't big names involved, yeah. but it's the things that followed, all the Olympic diving trials and, you know, the natatorium being cr- constructed. And, Pan Am and Games. Pan Am Games. Pan Am Games. Oh, yeah, that, was, um, that was something. But, and that had a lot of conflict. And I've had, a, I've had several people, including Mark Miles, who would know, obviously, and others say the Pan Am Games in 87 is what launched Indianapolis yes. into a bigger and, place. And Bill Hudnut again gets mm-hmm. a yeah. lot of credit. And for the that. Colts coming here. Yes, all the Colts coming here. Yes. Yeah. I Go was ahead. there for the, 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 the latter. I, I watched and, and interviewed um, that process, Bob Ursay, and, and saw that. Did you do the interview at the at the Hoosier Dome when they were announced? Were you there for the announcement? I was ceremony? not there that day, no. Mm-hmm. But uh, pretty much everything leading up to it and around that. Um, I was at Channel 59 at the time. If I've got that right, because Channel 59 stopped doing news in the summer of 1984. We just signed on in February. Right. We all got called in the news, uh, the, the general manager's office. It was Chris Duffy, who used to be the GM at 13. He was a wonderful guy, but mm-hmm. he started I know crying. his son. What's yeah. His son? Oh, give him my best. I mean, really, Chris was another guy, uh, mm-hmm. ex-Marine, just a guy that um, was just a really true-blooded, you know, mm-hmm. public servant broadcaster. Yeah. But he called me in, and I was 23, anchoring the evening news in Indianapolis. Had no right doing it. I had a David Bowie, let's dance perm. <laughs> I had no clue what I was doing. And he, uh, he started crying. And he said, Ken, oh. you're, you're going to find another job, so we're going to let you go. We've got to let a certain number of people mm-hmm. go. We're going to stop doing news. And um, you can use our mail machine, the postage machine, anytime you want. You can use the studio. I hadn't saved a whit of videotape. But um, that was all happening around the time. Um, mm-hmm. The Colts, I think, were announced in the spring of 84 if i think back yeah, sounds probably. about right 
March, maybe. But um, and I was actually with Bob Ursay, like his last public appearance, sat with him, and he, you know, was not in good shape. Oh. But uh, well, those were amazing moments when you think back to Indianapolis's reputation. Wasn't here for the Pan Am Games, watched it from afar. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, it's now it's. You don't have to explain what Indianapolis is. I think there was a time when you would Correct. travel and say, oh, yeah. besides the Indianapolis 500, right. we do some other things, yeah. too. Right. Well, Indiano Place was what mm. they called yeah. us then. I was, I was just thinking about a sports thing. Uh, I have a sports story. Uh, he used to come in here a lot to, uh, to do interviews, Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. And at that time, you, we now know Peyton loves to be on. He loves, he mm-hmm. has his celebrity friends, he loves to be on. And at one time I was talking, I can't remember his name, one of his... Um, Oh, agent type things. He wanted to do movie reviews with me. <laughs> now, wouldn't that have changed everything? But things were starting to change here, and I could see that, you know, with my hearing, it was time to go. So I pursued it a little bit, but then I let it go. But can you imagine Peyton Manning doing movie reviews? Would that have been something? Uh, I got That'd story. be a whole so, book right there. <laughs> my thing was I'd work Monday through Friday, and um, Saturday morning I'd get up at 7.30 and go to Borders Bookshop up at Keystone at the oh, Crescent. Because yeah. they Beautiful. had, oh, it was wonderful, free refills on coffee. <laughs> and so I'd sit and read the magazines and I'd buy a few books and get a bag of CDs and I'd be there for four hours. Wow. And then I'd either go next door to Cafe Patichu or I'd go to um, Champs if it was noon and, you know, watch a mm-hmm. game or something, get a sandwich, maybe have a beer. It was Saturday. Well, on this particular Saturday, I went to Champs. And sat down. There might have been five people in there, and I'm, I had a, a beer and a sandwich. Mm-hmm. And this big guy lumbers in, and I, Peyton and I knew each other just because I was on television, and he's he's Peyton, you know. Right. You yeah. shouldn't know me, but you should know Peyton. Uh-huh. Anyway, he goes, hey man, you mind if I sit down? Sure. So he proceeded to watch Edron James get drafted with me. <laughs> you think about how quaint that is. I, I bought him a yeah. Coke. You know, we sat and talked the fourth, for a while. The fourth pick in that draft, I yeah. think. Yeah, but he, we, you know, he, he just wanted to see it go down. Yeah. And you think about how, how crazy that is. Well, I mean, why wouldn't he in, wasn't he in the war room? Well, right. Yeah. Right. Uh, was there a war room? I mean, it, what, <laughs> what, what, what did it entail? But <laughs> One we question I want to make sure that I ask you guys, and I've asked uh, handsome Dave Barris. Oh, yeah. And other people this question. Because my life, as you become aware of things, it kind of paralleled this, and I, we're in a studio at Channel 8. I'm looking up at some pictures, and we did a podcast with uh, Richard Hall, who was the one who was kidnapped by Caritzis. How much has technology changed since you were birthed into electronic journalism? No. I know the answer is unfathomably so, yes. but what about it do you think has made it better or worse? I mentioned Caritzis because... In February of 77, when he was abducted, that's when you for local stations got their first kind of live trucks. Yep. Yep. So yep. that's the first time I ever heard the F word. It was when Caritzis yeah. was spewing wow. it, which was funny because my mother was in the Marine Corps, so you'd figure I'd hear it all the time. <laughs> but I didn't. How much has technology changed oh, the news boy. business? Um, oh, we both want to jump in on this. Yeah. I see some things that I never thought I would see. People holding up an iPhone and and here it's instant news. Did they check it? No, because it can be instant, and that's what people want. But then again, is it right? Are you getting the right story? And I see. I mean, when we went out, you go out with a photographer. A lot of these younger people now they have to do it all by themselves. They have to shoot it. They have to set up the story. They have to come back. They have to edit it, and then they have to front it on the news. Whereas we had a photographer. I'm my think with my brain about. What are my questions am I going to ask? What's it going to do? 
The photographer, at that time, they were all male. They're thinking about the lighting. How does it sound? What looks good for a backdrop? What do you need to do? So they're worried about the technical stuff, and I'm worried about the talky stuff. Mm -hmm. That's not the way it is now. One person has to do everything. So, yes, you might get it instant. You might get it fast. But is it? does it look good or sound good? Sometimes iffy. That's my take. Well, here's the critical thing. When we were kids, young kids, you shot on 16-millimeter film. We didn't. The, our predecessors did in the business. You took it back to the station. You processed the film. You know, Jim Mora <laughs> processed. <laughs> and, and then, you know, you would edit the film and put it on the air. So there was a lag. You had time to think about it. It had time to breathe in your head. Then we got beta cams. And before that, I guess we had U-Matic machines, mm -hmm. three-quarter-inch tape machines. But they were clunky. The beta, the beta cam really slimmed it down. But still, you had to go out and shoot it, bring it back to the station, cut it into something you could use. We had, I think when I got to Wish, one, maybe two live trucks. They were microwave trucks. Mm -hmm. If anything was in the line of sight between the, the mast that went into the air and the station, you couldn't go live. So you were really careful about what you did live. You know, you, you had to be judicious and say this is going to be the best live opportunity. In 1996, I remember being downstairs in the newsroom. Our consultant came into town and said, from this day forward, it's going to be news in progress. It doesn't matter unless it's happening right now. And, you know, of course, I raised my hand and asked a couple of questions that seemed all right, but I got funny looks. So here we are today. We've, we've gone from 16-millimeter film, where you might have to wait till the next day to show it, mm. to you want to be first. Instant. Live stream. And instant. And, and any of us can broadcast. I mean, we're now to a point where we each have our own printing press and broadcast tower. And from the user standpoint, I think what we've lost as a culture, and I it sound like an old man, which I guess I am, <laughs> but uh, there was some magic in The Wizard of Oz airing once a year, and if your mom called you to dinner at 6.30, you know, you missed the whole transition from black and white to color. You know, you'd have to wait till next Thanksgiving <laughs> to see it. Um, I think the, the end user is different now. We want it now. We want it fast. We want it boiled down. We want it easy. Don't waste in my all time. aspects of our life. In exactly. all, good point. But Excellent. Patience Robert. is good. You know, having yeah. tolerance for things, letting things play out, and and not needing a quick answer. Yeah. When we were doing the interviews, when we started this interview, we chuckled about WKRP in Cincinnati and and Patty's role. So much of when you look back, Patty's role as a as a morning disc as a disc jockey in Ohio, not on the show. I guess we could start calling her Jennifer. Couldn't we? Why not? Sure. Bailey. <laughs> anyway, uh, when I read and watched in your Hall of Fame video about you being one of the first female disc jockeys in the country. In, in the morning. In, in the, the morning. morning. Yeah. Right. They were putting them on. There was a night bird. There were several on right. in the evening. But morning is where, and they, the stations took a big chance because that's supposed to set up for the rest of the day. Yeah, but so I, I can't. You can't. I, I spent at least... 30 seconds going first in the country like in the morning have we come that far or and now it's the, unfathomable now to me when you get to some of these first female or first first african-american first latino whatever and you're like going the first that wasn't that one, long ago one of the first I, they're just they, they were they were and even when you look back at the news then they were mostly white males oh, yeah. i mean that's and you look at the news now and it's everything now that's something good that we've done um i do think and this is just me because i have severe hearing loss i wish some folks would work on their voices some more it's a little when they're they're going so fast and they're going and i realize i want to do it fast but slow down for those of us who need it and i use closed <laughs> captioning and get 
get off my lawn. No, that's an old person. The, uh, the articulation. Well, it's just you need – yes, yes. I mean, I worked on my voice. I did theater before that in high school and college, and then college started in radio. But I worked hard to enunciate <laughs> and to get the message out because it was important then, and I, I still think it's important now. Again, that's part of history. We mm. lose – we want it fast. We want it, and that's it. you lose things in the process. So, uh, Patty has written this book with Rita Rose, the dog who saved my that. life. And there Louis. are terrific stories in it. So, here's your chance: celebrity nice, celebrity mean. <laughs> who you got? Celebrity. Who? Which one was nice? Nice. Like, this person was so oh, nice, and which person was like? Just a complete diva or <laughs> jerk. Well, uh, uh, oh, which one do you want me to start with? Nice? Not yeah. so nice. What's your show? Like? Uh, nice. There's great. And uh, actually, he's going to have a, um, they're going to do a documentary out on him now. Arnold Schwarzenegger was always nice. Oh, and at that time, he was doing the 80s and 90s. I interviewed him about once every two months. He was in every movie in the world. And he was so easy to do as far as you go, hi, Arnold, hi, what are you working on? Boom, he'd go. And this is sponsored by Coca-Cola. And, uh, <laughs> and the other thing is he'd always say, if, if I walked in with uh, those days, I could wear a skirt, a skirt or a dress. He'd say, oh, Patty, you look wonderful. If you wore pants, he didn't say anything. He didn't say anything good, but he didn't say anything bad. <laughs> but you know what? I'm not offended. That was great. And at one time, I'd lost a lot of weight. And I went over. He goes, Patty, it's so good to see you. And he bounced me on his knee. Oh. By golly, that was great. Uh, <laughs> nice guy. Still, and I, I hope, I wish him well. He's talking on his... Um, from what I've seen on the documentary, The Good and the Bad, right. some of the, we know that some of the things he's done. Interviewed, and he's in the news right now, is Michael J. Fox. Uh, he's going through Parkinson's. Sure. I mean, we have to also realize that even for big celebrities, time is of the essence. I mean, oh. it comes and it goes. Yeah. Uh, Morgan Freeman, wonderful guy. I went to, um, he had a, at that time at a restaurant in Tennessee, and I drove with Kevin Stinson photographer. Mm -hmm. We drove all the way there, had dinner with him, interviewed him, and I helped to convince him to come and be in 2004 to help to be, he was the, uh, what do you call it, the, the 500, the Grand Marshal? The lead driver. Yeah. Oh, the pace car driver. Pace car pace driver, car. yeah. Mm -hmm. So he came to the, he, wonderful, he has one of those, I'm a big voice fan, so he's got a big voice. Oh yeah, he's uh, People who are kind of, <clears throat> we used the word before, let's use poopy, um, Tommy Lee Jones. Is, and he's one of those people that you should see him and appreciate him for what he can do on the air on on movies, but when you interview him, he's a, he's a he's a little tough. You can tell when you walk in; they don't do that anymore. There's something else they don't do. You walk into a room, and you could tell how the demeanor of the folks right. in the room. You know, how's the cameraman? How how's everybody? And everybody just be real quiet with Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, Sylvester Stallone was always great. Um, it's funny because when he would come at the time, it was the Four Seasons in L.A., and he would come in with a whole entourage of people around him and then go up. It was nice, nice to me. And then when Arnold Schwarzenegger would come, he'd drive in, nobody with him, get out of the car, go in, <laughs> and he'd shave. Speaking of shaving, with no – just – Dry shave? Just dry. Yeah. Oh, Dangerous. my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Sandra Bullock's wonderful um, – uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is in the news now. She's she was always terrific. Oscar, so some of, yes, winner. and some of these folks have lasted. And again, they go through their ups and downs just like we do. Well, I'm going to step in because uh, I remember the story. Peter, Paul, and Mary. Remember that 
<gasps> oh, oh yeah, I, I, she remembers. Give it up. So uh, Mary Travers, who I think has passed away, so she can't yes. get mad at us about this. Um, oh, yes. Unless they have podcasts in heaven. Um, <laughs> you never know. She was here to be. They, they were wouldn't here to be Peter Paul Wouldn't Mary. that be a God cast? Oh, it, 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 also, Kiss came go. in. When Kiss came in, yeah. they did somewhat the same thing. Yeah. That's when they used to come in because there, there weren't podcasts, you know, and they didn't do. So they came into the station. And they'd, they'd wait around the lobby, and sometimes we'd send go them upstairs. general managers, yeah. like really? conference yeah. room. Yeah. yeah. They'd go upstairs. So, and we got, and I wanted some food, and I remember I went out and got them some food. You got Mary Travers' uh, tuna fish sandwich at yeah. uh, Crawford's Deli. You remember <laughs> all of it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that building never should have been raised. I drove in and thought, Crawford's ought to still be there. We walk over there for lunch. But. Yeah. She brought brought the tuna fish sandwich back. This is Patty's money, Patty's time. She gives it to Mary Travers, who sang Puff the Magic Dragon in 1794, whenever that was. Right. And didn't she smear it on the walls or something? They left that place a mess. I have really? never seen anything like it. I mean, we were all stunned. There was just throw it on the floor, throw it out there. It... I mean, he, what? How? Why? Maybe she didn't like the sandwich, or maybe they didn't like the. But come on, have a little sense of heart, a little sense of style, a little. Mm. But this building, <laughs> when Patty was doing her thing, uh, you know, in a, in a madcap way, was crazy. I remember coming up from downstairs to get the mail one day, and uh, Alan Parsons from the Alan Parsons Project, <laughs> who's a big man, he's like six mm-hmm. five, six six, was sitting there, you know, waiting to come in yeah, for the noon show. Did, yeah. uh, Shirley Jones was down in our commissary. Oh, Shirley Jones, which was, Ooh. Just the dingiest. Oh, Shirley in the world. Jones made us set her in a different location because she has a good side and a bad side, and she <laughs> wanted to make sure that you now. And you did these things, you know, to a point. But when they start demanding. And again, they were stars. Bef- they were big stars. Yeah, we were Shirley just, Jones. We were just yeah. news people, sure. you know. So some of them made some demands that they could get away with. Then who's the gal that did the, the puppets? Lamb chop. Um, oh, uh, Sherry no, Lewis. Sherry Lewis. She was a. Sli- she went into the makeup room. I remember, and I went in to see if she was okay to come in. She has her head down on the table. She fell asleep. <laughs> she. <laughs> she went, <laughs> Lamb chop snores. Did oh, you tell you? Maybe that's it. But but keeps you up all night. These are things that you know, and uh, that, that they can't do now because the, the stars generally don't do it, and they're not. As far as what I did with celebrity interviews, they won't do that again. Yeah. They won't spend thousands of dollars to send me or someone out to L.A. or New York. You know why? Let's zoom. Yeah, yeah. or the internet, Cost, social media. They yeah. don't. That's how they reach. But it's who not knows the same in. as sitting oh. neck and neck, toe to toe with the Rock. <laughs> yeah, we, we could have phoned this in, but seeing no. you know, seeing your reactions, seeing Patty's reactions, there's something about a live conversation. That's that's right. So yes. when I do the podcast with folks here in the state or the city, I always try to get it in person. You can't always do it, yeah. but you try to because yeah. the interaction is so much more fun. When I zoom folks, historians from overseas or New York or D.C. or whatever, then that's a completely different story. But it is it is more fun. In person because of what you're saying. And it's interesting because I thought COVID would kill my podcast because you couldn't gather. And turns out that Zoom exponentially uh, created opportunities Mm -hmm. for any podcast because now everyone knows how to Zoom. Yeah. yeah. Be careful, though, with when when we talk about like the, some of the younger people. Mm-hmm. I know this because I'm working with I work with NAMI, a National Alliance of Mental Illness and some folks. 
a lot of kids, especially teenagers, are having trouble relating. They were in COVID. They mm -hmm. couldn't go to school. Now they don't know if they want to go to school. They want to do. They want to do Zoom. They want to do. So we're losing that interaction. I mean, I see you. You're blinking Absolutely, your eyes and yeah, shaking yeah. your heads. Mm -hmm. You can't see that when you're, you know, just typing away. Mm -hmm. uh, mental health has become a big concern. Critical. Mm -hmm. Critical. Good. Yeah. We have reached the point in the Leaders and Legends podcast where we ask the same five questions of all of our guests. Uh oh, five questions. So, news me members of the news media do not get these questions in advance because I never got any questions in advance when I got lit up by Shella. <laughs> Punk. You ready? All set. All right. What was your first job? We'll just we'll just go Ken and then Patty on each one. In broadcasting or in the world? In the world. Uh -huh. Sizzler Steakhouse, Westmont, Illinois, 1977. Uh -huh. Two thirty-three an hour, I think. Reich's Department Store, Dayton, Ohio. Uh, I was a senior in high school, so that would have been oh, 1971, 72. <laughs> and I sold bras. Next question. You know, it's not too bad you guys couldn't have switched jobs. <laughs> Ken, what was your first concert? Paul McCartney and Wings, 1976, Chicago Stadium. Oh, that is some someplace. Ken... Kevin Finch is crying. <laughs> uh, first big concert, Hi, uh, Chicago. And I remember, oh, I've never been good on my feet. I remember I fell down the stairs. I was at uh, Hare Arena in Dayton, Ohio, and I, I tripped down the stairs. Yeah, But they were good, Chicago. Two good ones, that's for sure. Yeah. If you could suggest any book for someone to read other than The Dog Who Saved My Life by Patty Spittler, <laughs> which book would you recommend? I would say The Great Gatsby. I think the older I get... Um, there's just a lot of really poignant stuff in there about, you know, your relationship with the world, your relationship with yourself, um, assimilating, distancing. I, I, Jay Gatsby's a fascinating character to me. Charlotte's Web. It was one of the first books that I read. I oh, remember yeah. crying. You're crying over a spider, but it was it it translates and gives you empathy and sympathy for some of our smaller creatures. So there you go. Great answer. Because we're all looking to belong. Is it is why right. Gatsby and then <laughs> that's his trouble. Number four, if you could witness any event in history, be there in person as it happens, which event would you choose? Oh, oh these are tough. See what I had to put up with? Oh, these are tough. Witness any event. Well, I was at Disco Demolition Night at Comiskey Park. I, I, I'm, I wish I wasn't there. You're kidding me. No, I was there. Yeah. I just read about that yesterday. There are a couple of really good documentaries out that you ought to see. Because one of them's about like the disc jockeys. Oh, yeah. Steve Dahl, who, uh, you know, kind of, you yeah. could say he instigated. So you were there and saw Oh, yeah. Wow. Well, it was 99 Word. cents for two games. And the beer was like a buck twenty-five, and they'd serve like infants. So you know, it, what are you going to do? You're a sixteen-year-old kid. You go to like ball game. Do you want to choose another event? Since um, you're at one of the life-altering events in history. Well, it, 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 that's one that keeps coming up. Um, another one I was at that I so I'm I'm, I'm inverting your question. Okay. But, uh, the Oklahoma City bombing. Uh, oh, they, you, you went there the next yes, day. Yes, they flew yeah, me from the station, that, and yeah. I brought you know a couple of shirts. But um, yeah. We got in, and there were. I'll just never forget. It haunts me to this day. I, I probably have some. Uh, you Is know, that April nineteenth of ninety five. It was ninety five. April of ninety five. Because that was Richard Luger's announcement day. That's exactly President. right. That's exactly right. And I just will never forget these people, uh, men, women, children, walking around the perimeter of the site with holding, clutching photos and flowers, and crying. Oh, 
hoping that at some point, and this is, at this point it's been 18 hours since mm-hmm. the building blew up, but hoping that you know they'd emerge from the rubble or that someone would get some word that they heard a whimper. Mm-hmm. And it was the saddest thing in the world. I mean, it, and the senselessness of the act was one right. thing, but just to see the devastation it caused to people that had no relationship to the perpetrator mm-hmm. and just bad luck. Um, that haunts me to this day. Well, mine is not nearly <laughs> as poignant as Ken's. Or, uh, uh, I wish I could have uh, seen them make uh, um, Cleopatra. I always had one of my the big 62 first, version? With uh, the one with uh, Elizabeth Taylor, Elizabeth Taylor yeah. and Richard Burton. Have you read the new biography of Elizabeth Taylor? No, I need to read that. I interviewed her once, but that was by satellite. And I remember at that time she wanted to talk about how she liked chicken sandwiches. She, you know, and they used to make fun on you Saturday sure that Night Live. wasn't John Belushi? Yeah. So, but Richard Burton was one of my first crushes. I didn't even know what it was. And, and he and then, oh, Yul Brynner. Oh, my goodness. Oh, and... Um, Johnny Weismuller. Johnny Weismuller came to Dayton, Ohio when I was a kid, and they had, uh, that was when he was selling, he was older, mm-hmm. and they were selling uh, pools. And I was so taken aback by just seeing him in person, I I, I had to go and erp and what? told my parents to take me home. <laughs> I was so I was so scared. Was it his loincloth? What was it? No, he was all dressed, you know. Oh, he was he, was he okay. must have been near 70 then. I mean, he was older. A, but did he bring re- Marino Sullivan? Oh, Marino oh Sullivan. there you go. But I remember him swinging through the trees with the monkey. And it was so I cute. will send you the podcast I did with Kate Anderson Brower. She wrote the latest biography of Elizabeth oh. Taylor. It just came out in the last year or two. Oh. It's very, very, very good. Oh, I Lots of see. Richard Burton. I'm, oh. Last question. If last you could have dinner with anyone living today, two hours off the record just to chat, whom would you choose? Living today. And Ken cannot take uh, Denny Sutherland to dinner. You have to choose someone oh, else. Oh, Denny was right on the tip of my I tongue. know he was, which is why you have that caveat. This would... Todd Rundgren. Well, uh, Todd Rundgren. I can see Todd Rundgren. Um, <laughs> That's I, my sister's favorite artist. It, it, uh, we've, you know, we've got a long relationship. The podcast now. is always ready to talk. Well, Matter of uh, fact, Todd Rundgren mm-hmm. was, was getting ready to get on a plane mm-hmm. to fly to whatever. My brother was the captain of that plane. And they were all waiting in the airport to board, and my brother was the only guy who recognized him. Went up and they had this great conversation. Oh, my brother said he was Todd Rundgren was the nicest guy I've ever he met. He is. Yeah. He's a terrific guy, and it's it's amazing. Uh, you know, he used to have a reputation for being kind of short with people. Mm-hmm. He's he has he's so patient and so kind, and it is amazing. Here's this guy with a skunk hairdo, and he's about <laughs> six two. You know, walking around like Herman Munster. You'd think he'd be stopped all the time, but he's not. Um, I would say, you know. That answer would be different probably every four hours. The one that <laughs> Paul McCartney is one that popped into my sure. head. Sure, sure. But I think, you know, uh, a, a seminal figure in our history who people don't think about. There was a great New York Times story about him maybe three, four years ago when his wife died. But Gary Hart, if you, if you think oh, back. yeah. To, yeah he ran I, McGovern's campaign in 72. Yeah, and, and he very likely would have been our president. I mean, he, I, I think if not for his personal foibles. Put a stake out on me, guys. Well, right. Uh, but there, there's a lot to be learned about how the media has changed, a lot to be learned about how politics have changed. But Gary Hart's politics were very unusual because he had you know, some very liberal mm-hmm. things, but he was also a fiscal conservative. And I think um, how the world would be different if we'd had his I – mean, in terms of just the, the candidates we're presented with. Oh, sure. Because we've become so extreme, and he was really kind of an amalgam of both parties 
who you know was a Democrat, but uh, is he still with us? He's still with us. And oh, it, read that Times article because it's really interesting. He's very wistful mm-hmm. about how he let the nation down, and you could snicker about that and say, "No, that's not righteous." No. But, but I think no. Not but at all. I think uh, there was a moment in time there where, you know, we we had the Kennedy assassination, we had Watergate. We needed we needed some way out of the woods of cynicism. He was Mondale's worst nightmare, clearly. Oh, yeah. In, yeah. in 84, and then Dukakis in 88. But destroyed himself. Mm-hmm. As often happens. And was something fun? The Rock. Dwayne Johnson. In fact, I interviewed him when he came out with the Scorpion King. And uh, I always tried to stay on the Indiana time frame. So here I was in New York up at 6 o'clock in the morning after we did our interview, which was great. Mm-hmm. It was great. And uh, it was great. And then <laughs> went to, get, to go to the elevator to go down to get breakfast. Mm-hmm. And here comes The Rock. And we're in the elevator together. He goes, hi, how are you doing? I go, fine, fine. So you remembered my name, Patty. And I said, uh, I'm going to breakfast. Would you like to join me? He goes, oh, no, I'm going to go work out. <laughs> so that's the difference between him and But a nice guy. I knew he's. I, would, I knew he's going to be a big star. Do you know what The Rock is cooking? I remember watching him, and I'm not a big fan of watching uh, worldwide wrestling, but I did I did watch him. He did. He's done all right for himself. Yeah. Yes. And, and I'd say, Robert, that the, the highlight of my life has probably been getting to know Billy Graham. I'm, I'm a guy that doesn't spend a lot of time thinking about faith. I mean, I, I, I think faith is really deeds. Mm-hmm. But uh, Billy and I became uh, fast friends, actually, and sitting in his backyard and talking about all things with lemonade. Uh-huh. Uh, and did you have fun on that trip? You just reminded me. On trip I worked Soviet my Union. fanny off. And, you know, I had no idea. Ten days there with a crew of three, so me, a producer, and a photographer. But we shot probably... 85 beta tapes. We had this big crate mm-hmm. of tapes and produced an hour-long documentary in a five-part series. And uh, I'm glad I was 27 then because it, <laughs> it required a lot of energy. But what I didn't realize was that Billy Graham, you know, lived in our viewing area, but he, we were the only Western Where did he live? A Montreat, which is outside of Asheville. Oh, okay. But we were the only Western news organization allowed to go. Bill Moyers wanted to go, all these people, and they chose me because Billy watched me. And it was the sweetest thing. Oh, it was the sweetest thing. Yeah. I want to say something. Thank you for this. Yeah. I, oh, this is so welcome. much fun. I haven't thought about some of these things. I need to write another book now. Well, you, you brought do. all these memories up. No, thank you, Robert. Thank you. This was a great... Yeah, I'm exhausted. This was a lot of fun, but it just took the wind out of me. Very you know, nice. Uh, before I thank the sponsors one last time, uh, you know, growing up in this city, realizing how much it's changed in just my lifetime, uh, let alone in the last 10 or so years, stretching back to the Super Bowl. Folks like you, Ken, Clyde Dion, yeah. mm-hmm. Rafael Sanchez, who's been on Shella, you know, a lot of these folks, you just watch them. And one of the great things, I remember Howard Stern saying this, and I'll say it very quickly, you know, the philosopher, you know, of the millennium. He said one of the, he was talking to a guitar player, and he said, one of the, one of the be- greatest benefits of fame is you get to meet your heroes. Hmm. And yeah, one of the greatest true. benefits of yeah. doing what I do for a living, yeah. public relations or politics, is you get to meet people who you watched or read about when you were younger. And for the two of you to come on together uh, <laughs> is such a joy. I'm very grateful for you to do it. Obviously, we had a lot of fun. We could de- certainly do a two-parter. If you like. Uh, oh, boy. And, Anytime. Uh, you have been listening to Leaders and Legends, a <laughs> podcast presented by Veteran Strategies, an Indiana-based public relations enterprise, and sponsored by 
Garmon Construction, Leaders and Legends LLC, the Grand Hall and Conference Center at Historic Union Station, the McGinley's Golden Ace Inn, and NFP, a national insurance broker with strong local content. As always, all of our podcasts are dedicated to the legacy and generosity of P.E. McAllister. Our guests have been Ken Owen, DePaul Superman. Oh, just you know, just a regular guy. <laughs> would Toby McClamrock say that? Oh, I think he would. I, I hope he'd be that kind. No, John Hammond Toby's say that? Of, those, 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 John, those guys are superstars. John Dillon say that? Another guy. <laughs> we could go on, obviously. Yeah, it's a long list. <laughs> and Patty Spittler, the author, along with Rita Rose, of The Dog Who Saved My Life. Yeah. You two were wonderful. Thank, Thank you, you so much for your time. Wait, wait is the check in the mail? Okay. Yes, the okay, check will then. be in the mail. It won't be for anything, but I'm happy to just send you a blank check. Well, and thank you for your kindness, Robert. And Patty, oh. Patty is a star. I'm just thank a guy that used you. to do it, but this means a you lot. You both have been wonderful to me during my entire career. I'm Back very grateful. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to Leaders and Legends, brought to you by Veteran Strategies Incorporated. If you want to contact us about this program or our menu of public relations services, please send us an email at robert at veteranstrategies.com. That's Robert at VeteranStrategies.com. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at LeadersAndLegends.net.